Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we ask that you would give us clarity of mind, articulation of speech, boldness of spirit today. Father, we pray that you would cause each and every one to have ears to hear, hearts to receive, and a will to be doers. Father, transform and change us into your image. And Father, we thank you for the word of God that forever changes us and we hold as a precious thing. We give you all glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I, I just really, I tell you what, people many times, today people, you know, our culture is fully committed to self. Our culture is fully committed to self. It celebrates self. It's all about self. It's a culture that says, have it your way. Live your dream. Live your best life. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. And we blindly drink it in, and we drink the Kool-Aid, and it's really the very thing that kills, kills us, is the idea that it's all about us. In other words, the most unhappy people I know are the people who take that philosophy of life, that this life is about me and getting what I want, accomplishing what I, my goals, my agenda, you know, what my flesh wants, what my ego wants, uh, what, you know, my whims are, and what my dream is, and, and all these things. But really, that, how many of you know that does not bring happiness? A selfish person is, is usually a, a very unhappy person. And you know, but it, when it's all said and done, Jesus making him Lord is the only thing. And of course, Savior is about me, Lordship is about him. Uh, it's all about my salvation. It's not all about his kingdom. Don't bother me with his kingdom stuff. Don't bother me with this church stuff. Don't bother me with this tithe stuff. Don't bother me with all this stuff about uh, serving and ministry of helps. And, and I just want my best life right now. How many of you know that's overtaken the culture? That's not a healthy thing. And, and I can tell it's overtaken the culture because of the huge enthusiastic <laughs> response I just got. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's a dangerous day. that we're living. The Bible says in the last days there'll be so much deception that people will heap up, they'll turn away from sound doctrine and they'll heap up teachers and they'll only listen to the ones that they want to listen to, that they like what they're saying. How many of you know that's spiritual suicide? It's absolutely spiritual. So you need someone to challenge you. You need somebody to check you. You need someone to rebuke and reprove. And, you know, the wise man loves iron sharpening iron. The wise man loves to be, talent, excuse me, to be challenged, it says in Proverbs. The wise man loves to be rebuked. He loves to be corrected. He loves to be made better. But the fool only wants to hear what he wants to hear, and he hates correction, and he won't have anything to do with it. That is the fool, first class, grade one, class A, bona fide idiot fool. That's where we get the word idiot. It's idios. That's one of the Greek words where we get the word fool. Because he's a fool. He won't receive correction. He does not like sound doctrine. He wants to heap up his teachers, his way, because it's all about him. And he only wants to say, he doesn't want a Lord telling him anything that he doesn't want to hear. Can I get an amen, somebody? Anybody met somebody like that? Our culture is full of it. People are being inculcated in this mindset and it's overtaking our culture. And we as Christians should be meek, easily entreated. It says the wisdom that is not from above but from below is earthly, sensual, and devilish. But the wisdom that is from above is peaceful and easily entreated. What does that mean? Easily corrected and easily or open to what the word of God has to say about what I need to change about my life. See, that's lordship. Can I get an amen? There's a demon that can get you, you know, uh, a, a demonic wisdom that can get you a lot of things. And the Bible says that this wisdom, it says it's wisdom. It's wisdom how to operate in this world and be a success and have wick, treasures of wickedness have false happiness, how to have lust instead of love. And how to have false treasures of wickedness instead of the blessing of the Lord. How to have all the things that you want. There is a wisdom of how to work within a fallen world that the devil can teach you. But then there is a wisdom that's from above that's not like that wisdom. How many of you know we need to be operating in that wisdom? Amen. 
But saviorship is about me, lordship is about him. In our society, it's all about us. That's why the saviorship message sells, and the lordship message is totally rebuked, refused, and impugned, and not liked, and no one wants to do it. You know, the Bible talks about, we heard a speaker at Kerry uh, Gordon's church, tremendous job, Tuesday morning. What's Pastor Chris's last name? Uh, Chris McMichael, a tremendous minister, great pastor, and he was talking about how so often we want only our plan. You know, it's about living our dream. But, you know, it says in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans that I have for you. The American dream, the way it's preached in so many circles, is truly an unbiblical concept. The American dream is the American dream, but it may not be the God-given vision for your life. It may not be the plans that God has given you to do what he wants you to do. You know, I'll tell you what, when Joseph followed the dream, everybody say the dream. It wasn't to the presidency, it was to the pit. It was to Potiphar's, it was to the prison house. It eventually came that he went to be prime minister and head of over all the money. But how many of you know he would have skipped the, <laughs> the pit and the prison and Potiphar's house and just gone to the president if it was up to him. But if he had done that, he'd have never gotten there. See, I'll tell you something. The only way that we're really going to find God's, uh, have our dreams fulfilled is to po- follow the plans that God has for us. And, you know, I believe this, that... Uh, if we commit to his house, he'll commit to our house. You know, a, a little story I want to tell you. We went to Chicago several years ago, and I remember uh, there was a uh, just a, a little bit of, uh, you know, discussion on that, and we the boys kind of wanted to go to Chicago, and, and then it seemed like Liz wasn't as excited about it, and, you know, uh, you know, just like being the head of the family, sometimes God, you know, gives us a situation where we just have to make, we got to make the plan. And there's other people that maybe have different plans. But, but I remember this, that uh, Liz wasn't as excited about going there, and, and the rest of us were kind of like committed to that. And she, she was needing a prom dress at that time. I remember she wasn't as excited about that trip. But in going on that trip, she got to go to some shops to look for her prom dress that were far better than any of the shops that are around here. And when she finally submitted and, and was willing and, and obedient and laid down her will to go with her father's plans, her dreams to get the dress that she wanted came to pass. You know, sometimes you've got to go with the father's plans to fulfill your dreams. And when you fulfill what's, what God wants for his house, God will make happen what it, you know, I mean, I've got to provide for the house. We're, we're going on a little vacation. I, I've got plans for, for my house. And she submitted to the dreams of our house, my house as the adult and the parents, and her house or her particular life got blessed in doing so. There's so many things in life like that that we are blind to that God is telling us, you know, if you will just get on board with the, with the plans I have for you, the dreams and the desires of your heart will come to pass. You know, I remember I was talking to some Rama uh, singers. Uh, Brother Hagen used to travel around, and the Rama singers were the band that he would take with him, and they were quite talented and anointed in praise and worship. And Brother Hagen would go to these meetings all over America, and he would preach in these big churches and uh, big auditoriums. And then, of course, the praise and worship team, the Rama singers, would sing and prepare the uh, congregation for the anointing of the word, and uh, they, they operated. But one of them, I remember he was talking about everything that they had need of. Everything that they had need of while they traveled was on the way to what Brother Hagen's itinerary was. In other words, if they would just go along with Brother Hagen's plan to go here one night in Des Moines and then to go to Omaha and then maybe go to Minneapolis and and all that, what they didn't know is that they already had all the places for them to get food, restaurants, hotels for them to sleep, shopping malls for them to get stuff at the mall, and places where they could go have some recreation and fun. It was already all built into the itinerary of Brother Hagen, who was kind of like the spiritual father, and they didn't even realize that they had already put in place 
everything that they had need of, kind of like all that we have need of for life and godliness. It was already built in, and it was already on the path. It was already scheduled that they would be able to stop here and get their haircut. They would be able to stop at this mall and, and have time away and have some fun, and they would be able to stop here at this really good restaurant. And everything that they had need of had already been built into the bigger plan if they would follow the bigger plan all of their desires and needs and things that they wanted would be taken care of. See, the bigger plan is to serve God. See, in serving God and in doing the things that the Bible says, in attending church, in uh, paying the tithe and soul winning and serving and doing the things that the Bible teaches, in that bigger plan, somewhere in serving in that church one day, your spouse is going to walk in and you're going to meet her. Or him. I believe one day when you're serving and doing and reaching out to people, you're going to find that right person that's going to lead you to maybe that right. There's something very profound about when we commit ourselves to God's plan that actually releases our plans for us. But when you try to go it alone, when you try to make the plan, when you try to live your best life or, or you try to fulfill your dream or you're chasing after the American dream and you're climbing the corporate ladder and, and you're doing all this stuff out of your own ambition, out of your own initiative, out of your own sense of desire for worth and what will be a success in life, you are going to miss the things. You know, if those guys would have got on a different car and drove a different way, they would not have had scheduled into their life all the things that was meeting their needs. And that's an imperfect analogy. We know that. But it gets a principle. It, it tells us a, a particular truth of how powerful it is to get on board and to do make Jesus Lord... And be committed to his plan, and that's when he gets committed as our senior partner to our plans and our desires. It's true. You know, Proverbs 16, 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, that thy thoughts might be established. See, you commit your works. Everybody say, I will commit my works unto the Lord. See, I'm going to commit my life to him. I'm going to commit my works unto him. And then my thoughts will be established to bring to pass those things. Let me give you a note. That, that's, I'll just read it real quick. It's, it's over there in Proverbs. We, we all know these verses. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. He becomes your senior partner in your life's endeavor when you commit things unto him instead of just saying, this is what I want to do. No, we, we commit it to him. We run it past him. We see what he has. We commit it, Lord, this is, this is what I desire, but this, but this is being committed to you, to what you want me to do. And we commit our works unto him. Look what it says. Here's another one. I love this one, Psalms 37, 5. This is, this is all throughout the scripture. And it says this, commit thy way. The first one is thy works, now commit thy way. A work is one thing, that's an act. A way is a principle. So we commit our works unto him. And now we commit our way. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. How many of you need to have a few? He shall bring it to passes in your life right now. We all need to have the Lord bring some things to pass in our life. And I believe that begins with lordship and being committed to his house and he'll be committed to your house. If you bring to pass what he desires, that all he wishes that none should perish, but that all should be saved. You know, he has that desire. He's really wishing and wanting and hoping and desiring that everybody would be saved, and we know it won't, so we know that he says he desires that all men be saved. Did you know, God, there are limitations on him? He commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. How many of you know he's not going to go into all the world and preach the gospel? That He has commissioned that to you and I, not anybody else. We can limit God. It says they limited the Holy One of Israel in the book of Psalms. How many of you know you and I can limit God? You know, well, God is omniscient. God is, you know, sovereign. And, and I get so tired of this religious talk of people that don't know what they're talking about. God is sovereign, but God has sovereignly allowed us 
They have a part in what he's doing by delegated authority. Can I get an amen? So what we realize is that when Moses said they limited the Holy One of Israel, that we can limit God today. And when we want to do our own thing, we limit what God has for us. But when we do his things, we open up a world of what God has for us. You know, when we commit our works to the Lord and it says our thoughts will be established, when we commit our ways to the Lord and he'll bring it to pass, that's got my attention. Because I want things to come to pass in my life. Does anybody have any goals in your life? Raise your hand if you've got goals. How many of you are hoping for something? Even if you don't have goals, everybody has desires. You know, desire is what you, you transform into a goal. Spiritually by prayer or living it out and working and, 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 you know, but there's something about when we begin to commit our life to him, when we begin to commit our ways to him, when we begin to make him Lord, he becomes our senior partner. There's something very powerful about that. And there is power in committing and being committed. And you've all heard me say that, you know, only 3% of people write down their goals, but those 3% have 97% of what they write down come to pass. That is a spiritual principle of power being released to write things down that you believe are God. And if God says change it, you change it, but you write down what you believe to be God. See, I believe this. If you will make your commitments in time, your commitments will make you. Let me say that again. If you will make your committals to God and your commitments to God, commit yourself to God first, your commitments to God, and then committals of what you're called to do, committing to him things that uh, you're saying, Lord, this is yours. You give me direction. You establish my thoughts. I don't establish your thoughts on what I'm supposed to do here. You establish my thoughts on what I'm supposed to do here. And that's why I'm committing it to you, Lord. You're the senior partner, not me. And when you begin to do that, God can begin to guide you and lead you into success. God wants to do that. And when you make your commitments and your committals to God, commitment of self and committals of things in your life, those are two different things. They're not quite exactly the same. When you make your commitments, your commitments will begin to make you. And you will become a success. And you'll see things come to pass. And it will be your best life now. It won't do it because you follow your own dream. You'll do it or you'll have it come to pass because you follow his dream for the body of Christ. His dream for the kingdom of God. His dream for his covenant. His dream for his cause. When you give yourself to that, when you give yourself to follow God even through the pit, even through the Potiphar's, even through the prison house, is what he's willing, when you're willing to do that, is when he's willing to make you president. Can I get an amen? See, he went to the pit for God. He, he, there was no other reason. He could have he bailed out and reneged on what he said and, and, and lost all integrity and character and said, you know, I didn't really mean that. I, you know, I, I, I forget that dream, guys. You're not going to bow down to me. I was just kidding. How many you know, he could have reneged and bailed out on that and they probably wouldn't have thrown him in the pit. How many of you know if he'd have slept with Potiphar's wife, he probably would have, uh, you know, <laughs> become president? No. He, he would have been, he would have been, you know, he could have compromised. How many of you know if he wouldn't have told the, the guy the dreams that they didn't want to hear? You know, he, he, there's a lot of reasons why he was there. See, he went to the pit for God, for, the, for something other than himself. He went to the prison for his purity to not sleep with Potiphar's wife. He did these things for God and he committed to God and to his house and his vision, his agenda, his ways and then God committed to him the presidency. See what happens when you commit yourself right to right things? You will just you can be heading towards the prison house and before you know it you're stepping into the White House. Because that the way God's ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts. And even as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts above our ways and thoughts. And it doesn't seem to make sense that the road down is actually uh, the escalator up. 
and to go ahead and give away your life and to serve God and, and to uh, be committed to the things of God will actually build your house in the end. And you doing what God wants will actually bring to pass ultimately what you want. See, we've got to get that in our heads as Americans because we're very bullheaded and we very much are all about our property, our job, and our family. And we can't come uh, to the supper and we can't go out chasing a bunch of people and rounding up all the weak and the infirmed and bring them and compel them to come into the fight. We don't have time for that stuff. We're too busy with our house. We're too busy with our property, our job, and our family. We're too busy doing that. And but the bottom line is, is when the property, uh, you know, it becomes worth nothing and we lose our money and we go through our divorce and our kids all become reprobates and all that because we chased after the, uh, the, the, the bait of Satan instead of following what God said then we'll realize, boy, we should have just followed after what God says and committed ourselves to him and his house. And then maybe our house would have been saved. See, but America doesn't get that. Our culture doesn't get that. It's we'll do what we're going to do. You know, we want Jesus as Savior, but we sure don't want him as Lord. Don't talk about that lordship stuff. I know churches that preach against lordship, preach against saviorship. They will only talk about lordship. I mean, excuse me, they only talk about saviorship. They preach against lordship. They preach against it. Why would you preach against lordship? And I, yet I know churches that do that. It's Jesus is our savior. We can't, we can't do anything in and of ourselves. He's just savior. That's all we, can, all we can hope for is he's just savior. We're just, you know, we're so vile. And I believe this, that God wants us to be more. You know, when we commit things to God, I believe things. I can remember committing, and I've told this story, where I had a language requirement. I had to have another year of German. And I didn't have time. I was out of money. I was out of time. I was out of everything. And I got down to my senior year, and I'd heard my friend said, well, I had petitioned uh, one of the requirements one time, and, and I actually had a petition towards the board of directors, and, and they took it, and they brought it under consideration. They came back. And they actually allowed, they, uh, allowed me to graduate without it. And I went in, and you all know the story, and there was a lady sitting there at the desk, and I had to fill out the petition papers, and she says, what are you petitioning for? I'm petitioning to, take, uh, to have one year of German uh, removed from the requirements. And she just started laughing. She says, well, I'll tell you right now, you're not gonna, that's not going to happen. Nobody's ever done that. And I committed that thing to the Lord. Needless to say, a couple weeks later when it came back, that lady was humbled and I got the petition granted and I was relieved of that year of German as, as a requirement from Oral Roberts University. And I'll be real honest, that, that, was, on the most, that was on the most amazing miracles I'd ever seen. <laughs> you get an academic board to waive a whole year of, of language requirements. I, let me tell you, that, that's like part in the Red Sea. That's amazing. It's like walking on water. But I can remember I committed that to the Lord. I was fully following after God's. I was laying down my life. I decided to go into ministry. I was saying, Lord, I'll do it. And you know what? When I got involved in his house, he got involved in my house. When I, when I got involved in, in what he was doing, he parted the waters for what I was doing. It, it was an amazing thing. I believe this, the time to make commitments is at the beginning of a thing. We're beginning a new school year. We're beginning, you know, uh, ministry helps. We always kind of re rethink and, and restart things and life groups and, and a lot of things. And it's time, you know, when you commit yourself to something, always do it in the beginning of a thing, not after it starts, not midway, not after it's too late or towards the end. You know, commit yourself to SMTI. Commit yourself to something new. Make yourself better increase and do what the Lord would have you to do. I believe that when we commit ourselves, it's kind of like when you get up in the morning, I commit uh, my day to the Lord every day. We come together for prayer. We come together for Bible study. We make that commitment. Lord, we've got this to do. We've got this to do, this to do. We ask that you help us. We ask that you show us. We commit it to you. You give us wisdom. You give us strength. You show us what to do first. And I commit those things to the Lord. You know, it's kind of like the guy that works for you. How do you like the guy show up at 10 till 5, the work day ends at 5, and says, okay, what do you have for me to do today? How many of you think that's not going to go everywhere with the boss? Well, what have you been doing all day? Picking your nose? You know, what's the deal? Hey, you should come first thing in the morning and say, what do you want me to do? I'm going to commit this day to you, 
boss, tell me what it is that you have for me. And, and I know I've got these things to do. What do I need to do to make that work right? And, and committing it to the Lord early on in the process. You need to, that's why we have, we commit babies and we have baby committals and we make dedications of little ones because we want to get them started out early in their life instead of late in their life. Can I get an amen? Commit early. It's so important that we do that. You know, I believe this, uh, when we commit to the Lord, he comes along very much similar. And here's another good analogy that I feel like the Lord gave me. It's kind of like an adopted child. When you commit yourself to God, then you're, you can commit your affairs to God. How, why is that? When we commit to God as our father. You know, I know in the process of adoptions, and I know people who have done adoptions, they've gone and they've looked at different ones, and, and sometimes it's just not a good match. Sometimes the kid doesn't want to be adopted by that type of parents. Sometimes the parents aren't looking for that particular, that type of child for whatever reason. That's their business. But a child can even say, I don't want to be adopted by them. But if you want to be and you, and you commit yourself and parents commit themselves to that child and child commits himself to that parents, those parents, not only is that child committed to them, but their affairs become committed to them. When I commit myself to God, he as my heavenly father has an obligation to be committed to me. How many of you know? Have you, how many have ever filled out paperwork or seen paperwork for the adoptive parents? How many of you know it's quite extensive? There is a large body of responsibilities and requirements for adoptive parents. And when that child becomes committed to them as their child, they become way more committed to that child than that child is to them. Can I get an Amen. See, that's the way it is with God. We get committed to our God, but God being our Heavenly Father, He is committed to everything. He's committed to finding the right, helping you find the right spouse. He's committed to helping you find the right church. He's committed to helping you find the right job. He's committed to help you find the right everything in life. He becomes very committed to you. Draw nigh unto God, and He will draw nigh unto you. And that covenant type of relationship, there's something about when we commit ourselves to God, there is a reciprocating power that comes back. Let me give you three parts to a commitment that I think are very important. Number one, whenever you make a commitment, and so, you know, some people call it a vow. You know, there's vows, there's commitments, or you commit something to God. Number one, I would say there needs to be a verbal or written or some type of promissory, promissory uh, expression with some type of an accountability. You know, I, I can't believe how people break their, their word in the world today. You, you, you commit to something, and then it's just nothing. You know, I, we, we've been where I've gotten all ready, and, and you're going to go do something with somebody, and, and we, we, you know, we got off work early. We, uh, we went home and got all ready and, uh, and, and got a bunch of stuff ready, maybe for our kids to have supper, and, and then you show up, and, oh, we decided not to go. How many ever been stood up like that? You know, you, you've been over backwards to make the commitment because they asked you to go. And then at the last minute, after you've done all these things to get ready, all these sacrifices uh, to stay committed and to keep your word to go, and then thinking nothing of it, well, you know, we just, we just kind of decide, yeah, I'm not going to go. How many of you hate it when people do that to you? See, I'm a keep-my-word type of guy. Why is that, Pastor Bill? Because the Bible says, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? In other words, who can fellowship with God? He that swears to his own hurt and changes not. Psalms 15 makes it very clear that when you give your word, you swear, even if it's to your own hurt. You know, you, you, you might be going you know, to a, a little league game and you've committed to that and somebody gives you tickets for a big league game and you've got to swear to your own hurt. You've got to still go to the little league game even though you've got to, you know, some tickets to the Dodgers game or whatever. You know, I've had situations where I've committed to go do things with people and something way better came up. Something that I'd much rather go do came up. Something that's way more beneficial to me came up and was put in my lap and given to me. And I believe it was a test to see if I'd keep my word. 
something way more in line with what I would prefer to do, but I gave my word to the first party, and I had to say, no, I can't go do that thing that I'd much rather do, where I'd much rather be, that's going to be much more beneficial to me, it's going to have a lot more fun in it for me, and the second one I'm going to have to say no to, because I committed to the first one that I said I'd go to, but really probably wasn't that excited about doing, but I'm going to stick with it, and I'm going to swear to my own hurt in this situation, and change not. How many of you know, if you don't do that, the Bible says you can't have fellowship with God? Somebody say amen. That's how serious God is about keeping your word. How many of you know God always keeps his word to us? You say, well, where is that? That's Psalms 15.4, just in case you want to study that out. God always keeps his word to us. And people that don't stay committed... People that don't keep their word can never operate in faith. Because you've got to believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. And everything you say never comes to pass because you always renege. Somebody say amen. And you come to realize you're not a good source of believing in what you say. Because what you say, you're always willing to adjust and to change and to bail out of. See, the Bible says, Jesus speaking, Verily I say unto you, whoever shall say this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. So you've got to get used to hearing yourself say it and seeing yourself do it. You've got to get used to seeing yourself say it and then seeing yourself do it. You've got to get used to hearing yourself say it and seeing yourself do it. you got to get used to that. Because whatsoever things we desire depends on that. Hmm. It shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith. doesn't even say what God says. And believes that those things which he saith. And believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. See, you'll get to believe that you always bail out in your word. And you won't be able to believe that God never bails out on his word. Can I get an amen? amen? You might say intellectually understand that, but spiritually you'll ruin yourself. You'll ruin yourself to be able to operate in faith. I'm going to prove that to you here in a few minutes in the book of James. But it is so important that we keep our commitments to God. That we keep our commitments to one another. Somebody say amen. amen. So number one, there's a commitment. We, we need to have some type of a accountability with our commitment. Number two, we need to refuse to renege, even if we miss opportunities that are far better than the original commitment. Even if the opportunity is far better than the original commitment, you need to stay with your first commitment. And then if you ask them, could you release me from this commitment? That's a little different thing. But you need to stay committed that's why you need to be careful and count the cost on the first commitment. Can I get an amen? amen. You know, I, I'm always, I'm all, you know, I always tell people, oh, that, that job that came up, that seems really good, or, or this come up, or this girl, or, or this situation comes up. I, I say, be careful because the devil always brings the imposter right before the true one comes. I've seen many Christians, you know, a job comes up and they go take it, they leave their church, they go over here, and they're ruled by their job. That's the American dream chaser. They're ruled by their job, and they go over to this new town. There's no good word church there. And this is a true story. Brother Hayden tells a story. A man who was driven by his job instead of driven by his church. He went with his job to a new town. There was no church there. And when it was all said and done, him and his wife got divorced. All of his kids got backslidden and started serving the devil. And he went broke and lost his job and wished he was back at the other church where he had a good job. Let me tell you something, that happens all the time with Christians because they're suckers for the devil's bait and they see something come up and they're drawn to that and they aren't staying committed to their original commitments to God. Somebody say amen. amen. Happens every day. I talk to pastors every day telling me about, yeah, these people left and their life is ruined. Or these people did that and their life is ruined. Now, God sometimes does move you with a job, but it's because he has a church on the other end in mind for you. But don't just jump at everything that seems better. Stay committed to the God commitments. Somebody say amen. 
And always beware that quite often, if not most of the time, that there will be an imposter come right before the real deal in being led by God. Somebody say amen. How many of the devil will bring an Ishmael into your life so that you'll miss having an Isaac? You know, they just, you know, just couldn't have a baby, couldn't have a baby. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, Sarah says, you know what? I got a great idea. We'll go get us a woman and you can go ahead and mate with her and we'll have a kind of like a stepchild and, and we'll have this child. Well, it produced an Ishmael. Don't jump at false opportunity. Somebody say amen. amen. Stay true to your commitments to God. Then lastly, have a defined conclusion or finish line for your commitments. And so that you'll know when you have passed and, and it's been a success. You know, the Bible says in Psalms 92, 12 through 15, very, very powerful verse. It says, they that be planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. You know, committedness and plantedness are basically the same thing. Just say this to your neighbor. Say, stay planted where God puts you. Always stay planted in the thing that God has shown you. And then be slow to move from it. And God moves people around. I understand that. We've been moved. You know, we went from one church. God brought us to this church, and that does happen occasionally. But you, you can't find one example of it in the Bible. You can't find one example where God's moving people around from different churches. But there are some times where God, you do move, and it is God, and it is good. But really, you don't see that. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm just, you know, going to go choose a church. It says, God sets every member into the body as it pleases him. Somebody say amen. amen. Some people just go choose a church like a restaurant. Wherever I get fed the best, that's where I'm going to go. Amen. But we need to go where God's calling us to and be a part and put roots down. And this is what it says. It says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar of Lebanon. That's fast, powerful growth. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. How many of you want to flourish? And they shall bring forth fruit in old age, and they shall be fat and flourishing. Did you know we're supposed to still be flourishing in old age? There's no retirement from spiritual activities. I don't ever plan on stopping preaching. I don't ever plan on retiring from ministry because there is no such thing in the Bible. I may stair-step it down a little bit, a little less intensity someday. I don't even see doing that. Unless I just physically don't feel like it. But I believe this. God wants us to flourish in old age. Matter of fact, that's when he really can cause us to flourish. Because we've got this great reservoir of experience and knowledge. And God can really use that. You know, the younger generation today does not draw on the wisdom of the elder generation. How many know there's something wrong with that? We're looking to the young people for the answers. Where do they find that philosophy? Yeah, go ask your two-year-old how to invest your 401k and see what happens. And, you know, there's just no, there's no logic to it. Take it to its logical extreme. Take it to its logical conclusion. It's, it's complete idiocy. But the senior people are the ones who have the wisdom and the knowledge, and we need to look to that. You know, it's, it's like marriage. It, it, it's, you know, we got no-fault divorce. And, you know, as long as there's, you know, we, we, we plant ourselves in that church of God, and we flourish. But today, it's like no-fault divorce. I can just leave for any reason. I can break relationships for any reason. I can do anything I want to do for any reason. I can divorce you because I don't like the way you sniffle. I don't, wait, I don't like the way you do your... Fingernails. I don't want, like the way you look in the morning. Now, there, maybe. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, I would really be in bad shape if that were the case. I look horrible in the morning. No. So, you know, I, I'll tell you what. We in America, we have no-fault divorce has crept into every type of relationship. I can just cut it off from that church. I can just cut off that pastor. I can cut off those people. I can cut off working at that place. I can cut off the responsibilities I have there in ministry. I can just up one day suddenly say, I'm out of here. No fault. Just because I feel like it. No fault divorce has crept into everything and every way of our thinking. Can I get an amen from somebody this morning? Anybody else see this in our culture? No commitment. No loyalty. No sense of obligation. No sense of duty anymore. 
That's going to bite us in a big, big way. Probably pretty soon. It's going to come back and bite us. Because when you aren't committed to anybody, that makes you Lord. Everything revolves around you. Again, you want to be saved. You want everything come your way and bless you. I want salvation because that's about me. But I don't want lordship because that's about him. And after all, it's all about me. Time for a selfie. That's where our culture is. Time for another selfie because it's all about me. You know, when we begin to understand these things and we begin to turn from that philosophy of life and say, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want something to follow that's worth following. I want to follow someone who requires a lot out of me. I want to follow someone who knows the beginning from the end. I want to follow someone who knows the plans he has for me of good and not for evil, to give me a hope and expected end, to prosper me and not to harm me. I want to follow that, even though up front it looks like a pit, even though up front it looks like a prison, even up front it looks like a Potiphar and having to run from a woman uh, who is a a perverse woman and, and all these things, even though it looks bad up front, I know the plans that he has for me. And I know that there's a reason why he says that. No, I'll just make my own plans because this looks good to me right now. Well, yeah, I've seen people do that. And when it's all said and done, everything's ruined. I'd rather follow God's faith plan than my sure plan. I've seen my plans go too many times. Turn with me to James, first chapter. We're just about done. See, commitment is the thing that faith is made out of. You cannot be in faith if you aren't committed. There's no such thing. Faith and uncommittedness can't be in the same sentence, cannot coexist. Faith is all about committedness. Look what it says in James 6 through 8. But let him ask in faith. Everybody say, in faith. Nothing wavering. See, faith is a commitment to continue to believe something until it comes to pass. Faith is a commitment to what God says, not what you want. Your flesh doesn't want to believe for your healing anymore. Your flesh doesn't want to believe for tithe and serving God anymore. Your flesh doesn't want to stay committed anymore. Your flesh, your, but your heart, where the Holy Spirit lives, wants to stay committed. And if you're in faith, it says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Your faith wants to stay steady, but your flesh wants to waver because it wants its way. It doesn't want to have to be contained with an agreement before God to stay on track and to do what God says. Can I get an Amen. The flesh wants you to waver all over the place. Your self-will wants you to waver all over the place. And you cannot live a faith life until you understand commitments. You've got to commit yourself to God, your life to God, and make Jesus Lord. And then you have to commit the, thing, the ways to him and the works to him. There's Proverbs, there's that Psalms 37, Proverbs 16. You commit your ways, you commit your works. That is the life of faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, it says. So we're talking about asking God things. Verse 6, we're in James 1, 1, 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering for he that wavereth, or he who is not committed. Say, not committed. Wavering is not committed. The waver is the person who isn't committed. He's not committed to a church. He's not committed to a cause. He's not committed to his family. He's not committed to a marriage. He's not committed to the tithe. He's not committed to serving. He's not committed to the loss. He's only committed to him. Well, there's a deep commitment to to that person's flesh. There's a deep commitment to selfishness. Everything moves for their selfishness. Everything is removed for their flesh. Everything has to schedule around what I want. Everything has to be arranged in the way that I feel but not so with God. We have to stay committed and unwavering as to what he says. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with wind and tossed. Flesh, emotion, uh, you know, a better opportunity. Something better comes up Sunday morning, I'm gone, go to church, are you kidding? 
Serve God with that money. I, 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 got, I see a new toy. Tithe, are you kidding? I'm buying that thing because I want it now. That's uncommittedness. That's wavering. That's not committing things to God. That's going back and forth. That's you being Lord. That's what I want before what God says. And it, it'll cause you to waver. It'll cause you not to be able to keep your word. It'll cause you to never stay in commitments. It'll kill a marriage and make you so you can't be committed to somebody. It'll up, make you love no fault divorce. You cannot be committed. You cannot be in faith if you are not committed. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive. Not that God would give. Let not that man think. Don't even let him think it. Stomp it out if he goes around thinking he's going to receive something. Say, no way, buddy, till you're committed. Don't think your prayers are going to be answered till you're committed. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't let that man think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. He can't be in faith. See, it says, be imitators of those who by faith and patience... They patiently stay committed to what the Word of God says, to what the Word of God commands them to do. You stay committed to doing what the Word says, to attending, to serving, giving, living and loving and walking with God and obeying Him in every area. You stay committed. That's the life of faith. And then you begin to see the promises come to pass. He had to stay committed in the pit. He had to stay committed at Potiphar's. Joseph had to stay committed in the prison. And then came the reward of those who by faith and patience. Everybody say, and patience. You have need of patience, it says. That patience have her perfect work, it says. Be imitators of those who by faith and patience inherit the promise. You better believe Joseph had to have some patience to inherit that promise of his dream. But he had to be committed to what God said first. And then God could bring to pass the plans that he had for him. And then that's when his dream came to pass is after he showed himself committed to what God had for him. Somebody say amen. See, your commitment to your family, your commitment to your fellow Christian, your commitment to your church, your commitment to tithe and your commitment to God and your commitment, all those things will produce this result and God will bring it to pass. Commit your ways unto him. I mean, your works unto him. He'll establish your thoughts. Commit your ways unto him. And the end of the verse says, and he'll bring it to pass. Turn your neighbor and say, he'll bring it to pass if we stay committed. Nobody said if we stay committed. Come on, say it. If we stay committed. You see, he'll bring it to pass because he's working it out. And we've got to be patient. And we've got to stay committed through everything that God's doing behind the scenes. We've got to stay on the same track. We can't jump track. We can't bail out. You've got to stay committed. You know, commit people in, in the culture today, people hate commitment. They think casting off commitments is some type of freedom. It's because they're ignoramuses. They think it's freedom to not be committed to anything. And all that does is bring them into bondage. You see, commitment is what builds your life and your future. Somebody say amen. amen. Commitment to put $10 a week away, $100 a week, $1,000 a month. A commitment to be disciplined brings freedom at the end of a life. Can I get an amen? amen. The same is true as spiritual bank. The more you are committed and the more you're putting your spiritual money in the bank, the greater retirement and the greater the day that's coming is going to be for you. Somebody say amen. Don't plunder your account of commitment. Stay committed. Stay in faith. Stay believing that if you will commit it to the Lord and be committed to Him, that He will bring it to pass. Too many bail out. Too many double-minded people. Let not that man think. He'll receive anything from the Lord because he's wavering. He left his commitments. See, there's a reason why God told you to commit to a place. 
There's a reason why God told you to commit to a thing. Because he's got a long-term plan. Some people can only see about this far in front of them. This is how they go through life. I want a big, huge vision. I'm going to stay committed to it. But you know what? It takes a long time to get down to the end of that vision. It takes patience. It takes a commitment. It takes stick to Something that our culture screams, don't do that. Be free. Go do anything you want. Cast off that commitment of marriage. Cast off that commitment of church. Cast off that commitment financial stewardship. Cast off those commitments. Go just have it your way. That's the voice of Satan talking to you. It's the voice of foolishness trying to get you to make some seriously wrong moves. God has greater things for us than that. Thank God Noah stayed committed for a hundred years. Can you imagine staying committed a hundred years? I've been serving in the nursery for, you know, three weeks. Can you imagine a hundred years preaching and being ridiculed and mocked, building something no one had ever heard of before? For a day that's going to do something that nobody had ever seen before. Rain. Boat. There was no such thing as rain. And he stayed committed. He had patience. He stayed in faith. And he saved the lineage of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of the world. Can I get an amen? Let's stand up this morning. Let's commit to something bigger than ourselves. Let's commit to something bigger than our flesh's desires. Let's have integrity. Let's be classy enough to keep our commitments, keep our word, and stay on track with something that we've said in the past. Commitments, if you make your commitments, they will make you. They will make you great because very few people are committed to anything over the long haul today. You will stand out like a diamond a bunch of, amidst a bunch of gravel, if you have commitment. Young people, commitment is what's going to get you the best job. Commitment's going to take you further than all the rest. Commitment's going to show your character is superior. Commitment is a powerful thing. Make your commitments well, and they will make you, they will well make you. Let's bow our head. Let's pray.